welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and new metal. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're here to talk about video games. Zero Stars 0.5. Yes. yes. This is uh, episode 0.5, the one that started it all. <laughs> Each one is the one that started it all. I, I really am a believer in new beginnings. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, speaking of beginnings, sometimes there are endings. And they are surprisingly sad. And sudden. Yeah, so we're recording this the day after Chester Bennington, who for some reason I always want to say Benningfield, and have wanted to say that since seventh grade. Well, Chester Benningfield is a, is a famous photographer. Really? No. Oh, okay. I'd believe it. Yeah. yeah incredible landscapes. <laughs> um, sort of like Chester Bennington. Landscapes of grief. Truly. He mapped them all. Uh, so... Yeah, we are recording this the day after we found out that Chester Bennington, uh, lead singer of acclaimed new metal act, Linkin Park, committed suicide. Um, and I have to say that this has affected me much more than I ever would have anticipated. I would say that it's affected you more than I would have ever anticipated, too. <laughs> and, I mean, granted... That's a this This take. and the Chris Cornell suicide are sort of like an interesting... Double double whammy, I guess you could say. Like I I think that like this Chester Bennington thing is is probably impacted you more than it has me. But I'm also just like I I, I say that, but I've also just like I feel like I'm running into people constantly who are just sort of like looking at me very kind of like sadly and being like, and Chester Bennington, <laughs> which is sort of surprising because yeah. I mean I didn't listen to Lincoln Park. I think like. Um, probably less less because I didn't listen to the radio a whole lot less than than your average person would have. Yeah, I mean, like, strangely enough, one of the first records that I got of my own volition. You know what I hmm. mean? As yeah. opposed to like, I had Abbey Road. Like that was the first record I got. Uh, but that was a gift from my parents. That's their influence. Yes. Yeah. So it's the first. And then I got my hands on Hybrid Theory, Linkin Park's first record, um, in like seventh grade, I want to say, uh, maybe yeah. eighth grade. Well, two thousand. It came out in two thousand one, so it would have been eighth grade for you. Okay. And or two thousand two. Came out in two thousand one or two thousand two. I can't remember exactly. I think it was two thousand. I want to say it was two thousand. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It was Either around way. that time. The single probably came out before that. But. Yeah. And uh, I just. I have not thought about Linkin Park in a very long time. <laughs> I have not <laughs> Like listened. most of America. Well, they released that one song this spring. Yeah, they actually just had a record come out. Yeah. And it's very pop-influenced and weird. And Linkin Park has continued to sell massive numbers and fill stadiums. Like, Linkin Park remains, remained an incredibly successful band. Um, and I mean, part of that, I'm sure, is due to the fact that Hybrid Theory sold more than 10 million copies in America. Uh, it was one of only 22 records since 1991 to do that. Really so I, I think it's very difficult to overstate Linkin Park's success and impact on music generally. And I think that a lot of us, simply by virtue of that number, got into music listening to Linkin Park and then immediately disowned that fact and talked a lot of shit about Linkin Park. And now, this is the first celebrity death that I have experienced. 
where it's not something that I came to later and I'm sad because I like that person's creative output, but it's not something that was necessarily formative to me. Mm. So like I came to Soundgarden later, right? Because I was not actually a sentient person when Soundgarden was a going concern. And so Chris Cornell's death, very sad, but it's not like it didn't have that sort of omnipresent cultural force, like his music in my life that, uh, Lincoln Park did. And so suddenly I just find myself really distraught by Chester Bennington's death, not because, you know, I feel like we're going to miss out on incredible future new Lincoln Park songs that I wanted to hear or something like when Prince died, I got very sad because I love Prince and I always wanted to see him play and I never did. And I'm such an idiot for never seeing Prince play. I never want to see Lincoln Park play. (laughs) I, even at the time that I was listening to them, didn't really want to go see them play. But there's something where I feel like I disowned the part of myself that's willing to say that they had a big impact on me. Mm. And I feel like we exist in a culture, this is getting more deep than the listener wanted, but I feel like we exist in a place where we're very quick to judge things, you know, and kind of distance ourselves from them. Uh, And this has really just made me think about how I need to be more sincere in my enjoyment of things because God damn it, I'm a 29 year old person and the idea that I need to tear down (laughs) something that I liked when I was younger, which is not in any way like, like, there's plenty of stuff from that era that you should probably disown. If you think Fred Durst is a good person, reevaluate. Uh, you know, he or, did it all for the nookie, and that's really not a great reason to do He's a film director everything. now. Yeah, he's also a children's book author. I yeah, he, he directs films for fa- family films. Great. I like that. He's uh, still doing it for the nookie, clearly. Yeah, and... <laughs> He's going after all the single mothers. I mean, Fred Durst is 100% on Tinder. Yes. Yeah. And I would consistently swipe left. Now, if it was Wes Borland, inventive guitarist of Limp Bizkit, I would always swipe right. Uh, But I feel like Linkin Park never did anything to anyone other than making music that touched a lot of people at a certain point in their life. And then we all talked a lot of shit about them. And it's sort of funny how now... I'm just cognizant of the fact that it's like, why did I do that? It's, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because as someone who didn't ever really listen to Linkin Park and can remember feeling like kind of like above that from the, from like age 14, I think, um, well also acknowledging that like, what, what is the first single? That one single that is like the most famous. Uh, one in the end, Step it, Closer. But in the end, it never mattered. Uh, I believe that's called In the in End. In the End, yeah. There was when I first heard that he had committed suicide, my initial feeling, like deep in my gut, yeah. was a sense of culpability. Oh. Which is why I think I made I made a joke to you that was like he's been singing about this and no one was paying attention. You didn't but it's also true. Yeah. That he has been singing about depression this entire fucking time. Yes. He's been very open and, about it in interviews. And I think that you you 
you touch on something really interesting. Like, and I think that you're, I don't mean to, I say that in like an academic way that I don't mean to, but like, I think that you're right when you say that like we should, this should be an opportunity to investigate um, how earnestly we engage with things and to be honest about that. And, and I mean, not to co-opt this in any way, but like it reminds me of, of a suicide that was particularly powerful for me when David Foster Wallace yeah. killed himself. And I think often about his writing and his, 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 especially his writing about irony and the, at the very least, and he was very anti-irony. He thought that irony was the death of, uh, of like real emotional communication and culture. And I, I agree with that. And yet we are always trying, like we are always striving for irony. And it is, I think that Chester Bennington was also, again, from the very little I know about his music and his writing, not an ironic dude. Extremely earnest. Not a winking dude. Yet like a very, very straightforward being frank with us. And so I think that like hearing that he committed suicide, it was this sense of like, oh Jesus, like, yeah, this man has been singing about feeling broken and we just thought that he was being commercial yeah and And like why didn't we take that to be serious and like the stranger thing is that because he was so earnest it both connected with as many people as it did and led to those people being distant from it because they didn't want to acknowledge that they liked something that earnest it's a really weird thing and it's, I will be yeah. unpacking it I think for much longer than I ever would have expected um, the form my grief has taken is that I learned how to play one step closer on the guitar it's pretty fun you didn't bring your guitar with you <laughs> I did not bring my guitar That's that'll be for next time but I, I didn't want to start this off on a down note but I did want to say that it's the thing that I've been thinking about the most in the past week and throughout Growing up, my goal has been to kind of like things more and be mm. more honest about my enjoyment of things. And this really drives that home for me is if we're not doing that, what are we doing? Totally agree. I actually, I mean, I think I, I agree, but I also think it's like extraordinarily pertinent to video games. I agree. Insofar as that I know that when, especially when writing about video games, I feel the constant need to be ironic because I am defensive about the fact that I like video games. Yeah. Um, and so that irony, you know, it's like exactly what you're saying. Like maybe we should just be fucking honest about the things that we care about. And like, that's very difficult to do with video games because depending on who you are as a listener, you might agree or disagree, but man, it's like people do not, do not respect video games as like a term other than like as an entertainment and that's fine. They are entertaining. They are entertainments. And sometimes they're art. But, like, I don't... Yeah, it's it's hard to approach them without irony because I constantly want to be, like... I kind of I want to undercut my actual interest yes. and my actual passion. I really like this kid's thing. Yes, yes. It's hey, sort of how you, it always comes out being I, phrased. And I, like, I like toys is how I feel like I... I like to play with toys. I like to take my action figures and make them... Like and smash take, them against. I one take a another. bath, and sometimes this is like, <laughs> yeah, and that's how I feel. I feel like I'm admitting to like not just collecting action figures, but playing with them. Yeah, and I think that we need to just 
stop thinking about everything that way. And that's not to say that we can't have opinions about stuff and I can still hate a lot of songs and I can think they're bad songs. But I think that we need to find the good in things and also be willing to just like things regardless of what other people are into. Um, be honest in your self-reflection. Yes. Is the key here. Uh, so speaking of things that connect, excuse me, with wide swaths of people, let's talk about video games. Um, so there's a video game. It's called Pokemon Go. Have you played it? I have not. So I didn't like the idea that they were going to track me. Have you played it? I have not. So this thing is a year old. Yeah, it's officially, it's over, it's a little bit over a year old. Chicago where we reside yes. is is holding an an enormous like festival essentially it's larger than pitchfork from what i've heard i believe that um and it's just it's like they're releasing legendary pokemon just into the wilds of chicago or something like that yeah uh i know of people who are traveling here exclusively for this <laughs> pokemon event and so this is our news item for the week yeah this is the news hour welcome so to the buckle news in hour. yeah Strap in. We're going to talk for 60 minutes about something we haven't played. Exactly 60 minutes, as uh, with every podcast. And then you hear the ticking sound of 60 minutes. <laughs> Hard uh, copy. <laughs> Pokemon. Hard copy. Is Pokemon going to kill your children? Maybe. Probably, if they walk out in traffic. Then yes. yes. Uh, yeah. So, I guess, why haven't we played this game? Uh, because everybody else was playing it and we're snobs and we only relate to things through irony. (laughs) That's my short answer. This has been an incredibly enlightening episode. Thanks. We're going to go think about things. The question is, did Chester Bennington play Pokemon Go? Uh, he has six kids, so I have to imagine. Oh yeah, no, the fact that he has six kids. Oh, it's super depressing. Okay, let's let's move on from this. We have to get away from it because it will, it will just Um... Pokemon Go, I knew when, so when it first came out, I, people, everyone I was working with was taking lunch breaks for the first times in their career to go on walks and find Pokemon. And they would especially pass over the river because apparently there were Pokemon living in the river. Um, Some people went so far as to go all the way to the lake because there were unique Pokemon in the lake. That's so cool. I have seen other people play it. So I've seen the app through their phones why did I not download it? I think I just, like, wasn't... It didn't seem that interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, you're not really a collector just in in your life. Like, you don't collect things. Really. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're actually recording this in my apartment, and it is in a completely empty room. I had to steal some some chairs. I'm going to give them back because I don't want to keep you know, them. You know, I know the spot where they go in the Matrix before they're actually in the Matrix? We're there right now, except there's just nothing. <laughs> I'm not even wearing clothes. I know. It's, <laughs> I that's actually no the clothing. strangest part, but it is sweltering <laughs> in here, so that would be a good move. I should probably disrobe myself. Um, so Your clothes would just disappear, though, because I would immediately give them away. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't have this game because I downloaded it, and it immediately was just like, I need to know your location all the time. <laughs> Basically, and I just didn't feel good about that. You don't want to give that to Game Freak? Well, it's not even, it's Niantic, it's Google. Oh, is this not, this wasn't developed by Game Freak? No, it was developed by Niantic, which is uh, 
owned by Google. And okay. So the the, the Google word, already knows where you are, just just so you're aware. They do not necessarily. I update them pretty regularly. Okay. It's, you just give them a call. Yeah. You're like, Sir Jay. Sir Jay. <laughs> Take off your glass, bro. <laughs> um, so I didn't get it because I, I don't like the idea of my phone constantly broadcasting where I am. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, not for any, like, I want to live off the grid sorts of reasons. But just it just kind of weirded me out. Um, and I don't care about Pokemon enough. Uh I think that I don't really know where we're going with this. I mean, this isn't like well, we have a lot of deep insights. No, I don't. I don't think we do, except for the fact that like this is a phenomenon that has lasted a full year. Yeah, and, and it's, it's all, people, talk about nostalgia. Truly, and people in my office have just started playing it in the past couple of weeks because it's resurfacing just in its popularity. Because one of, of the, them, the annual uh, got the a new phone. Oh, okay, and then so he could finally play it, and he has kids. Uh, and so then he started playing it and then once one person in a space does it it feels like other people who are like susceptible to the virus I think that's it 100% hop on it is it is a zeitgeist which is why I am shocked I did not get into it because frankly I am a sucker for a zeitgeist there is like I it's why I'm continuing to watch Game of Thrones and the only reason I'm continuing to watch Game of Thrones mm. is because other people are doing it. Yeah. Um, and but it, it, it's... So what Pokemon games did you play as a kid? So I never really had a Game Boy because I wasn't allowed to have video games. So I didn't really play you a lot never of had, You never had a Game Boy Color or anything? I got a Game Boy Advance. Once okay, that, that was your out. first Game but Boy? But I bought it off of somebody else and it was af- well after it existed. Yeah. So I, I just never... I watched the cartoon a bit, you know, and I yeah. had a familiarity with it. You can sing the theme song. And and I do just in life want to be the very best. Uh, that like no one ever was. Yeah. To catch them is my real test. Yeah. To train them was would have been your cause if you had actually invested any time. That's right. Instead I trained myself, which is why I'm so swole. <laughs> uh <laughs> so Chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> I I didn't get into this. I kind of wish I had. It seems like a fun thing to talk about. And I just love the idea that we're entering into an age when they're, when you can say to another person in real life, there are a lot of Magikarp in this river, and you're not crazy. <laughs> like, you're, you're not an insane homeless person on the side of the street. And that both you and this other person can have a shared experience in a real place that is also a fake place, I think is really neat. Like that combination of human interaction and that that AR quality yeah. is fascinating. And that's again, like I have no I have no like qualms about Pokemon. Like I support Pokemon hundred percent. I'm pro Pokemon. And I played the original games. My sister and I both had Game Boy Colors and we she had blue and I had red. That's the um, ideal situation. It is the ideal situation. I, I actually would be curious to talk about with her about it because I'm curious what her memories of it are. So I know the original 150, probably like the back of my hand, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it, when I think about the brain space that that takes up, <laughs> like all of the other shit that I could be remembering and like that's... Yeah. What, but like, yeah, I never felt the pull, but I am fascinated by the technology. Yes, and that is exactly where I am and I'm really excited to see what happens going forward with this sort of thing. So I'm glad that it has lasted. It seems as though it's kind of become less of a 
constant cultural presence, but it's mm. nonetheless still very large. But that is, I mean, it's such a summer activity. Yes. It is, it's, yeah, it's like, so I'm not surprised that it's coming back. Yeah, and that is really cool. But so, like, good for the Pokemons. Good for the Pokemon. Uh, as you said, I, I, you're, I'm pro Pokemon, I'm pro Pokemon. <laughs> and, uh, as long as the app isn't Pokemon. Which, as I recall, I'm sorry for that. But yeah. also, as I recall, that might be been the other reason I didn't download it was that it did not function. Yeah, yeah. But It'll, we are snobs. Someday, before we all croak them on, hey. you may be able to get it to work on your phone. One can only hope them on. But <laughs> enough of these joke How's your Dark Souls? Perry. <laughs> My Dark Souls. Um, man, this was a busy week. I'll That's great. Tell you right now. Um, Just in in Dark Souls or outside of Dark Souls? Outside of Dark Souls. Okay. And when things are busy outside of Dark Souls, the souls themselves don't get stirred all that much. Gotcha. Um, For that those being said, who are just joining us, we are going back uh, to the world of Dark Souls with Dark Souls Three in a uh, concurrent playthrough, and so we're consistently checking in to see how things are going just checking in on each other's souls yeah um so last we checked in you were at the very end of the first section after you get to the firelink shrine and i had just gotten past that section yes i had beaten the first proper boss in the game okay you had beaten the first proper boss that ice creature the ice the big ice dog man ice dog i like the ice dog yes i like um, him too so i got to the second area um, which is sort of a village. It is. It's, it is actually believe, definitely a village. A village is, of the undead. I believe it is called Undead Village. Undead Village. Um, they get right to it's it. A, it's a pretty good name. For so a you get to Undead Undead Village. There are two. You you get in there and then you reach that area where there's like that wizard and that big fat like the fat wizard and then every like there's all like the dudes around the fat wizard and they're like at that here yep. and. Um, there's a big fat wizard lady, and yeah. she is, is very creepy. Yes, you know, she's terrifying. I, and I, I, you fight many of her. Yeah. Um, so I got there, and I continued on the like kind of leftish path as opposed to going right because you can go right across a bridge there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I have the spatial memory for this, but keep going. I went. I went the long way around. Okay. So it forks, and I'm curious to know where you where you got, but I'm just gonna I'll continue here. And it forks. So I have explored that entire section because it it forks at that point into two paths, and both of them lead to eventually, if you follow the paths all the way, lead to a giant atrium in which there is an old tree and a bunch of people praying at an old tree. And when he says an old tree, we mean a tree that is the size of a skyscraper. It is, but not only that, but like actually degrading. It is old and falling apart and disgusting and, it and awesome. walks like a person and where its genitals should be are a bunch of pus sacks. Yep. So I get to the tree um, and I see that it is a large atrium area and I say, fuck no. And I turn around and I go in a different direction and I come to a, an elevator inside of a cathedral. And it is actually my favorite moment in the game so far. I meet a good friend of mine, the Onion Knight. The Onion Knight! And he comes up from the elevator and he's like, Have you been hit by random spears coming down from this tower? I can make the elevator go down 
but I can't figure out how to make it go up. And then, like, I really want to, like, talk to him more and be like, well, we'll figure this out together, Onion Knight. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with Dark Souls lore, this is actually the deepest into lore that we're going to get. Yes, this is it. Um, he is the only character in Dark Souls that I care about at or, all. Or, or Solterre. I would say Solterre. Praise the Sun. Praise the Sun does nothing for me compared to Onion Knight. Onion Knight is the most charming character in Dark Souls. He looks like a dollop of cream <laughs> come to like life. He looks like an onion. <laughs> I mean, he looks like an... He, he looks... He's the sweetest... Like, his voice is just like music. Yes, he has a beautiful, beautiful, deep, melodious timbre, timbre to his voice, and he and his helmet looks like he is the first boss from Parappa. <laughs> <laughs> well put. I mean, he's also just like he is such a goof. Like he is, he is like he is this game's version of of just like your weird friend who you do not entirely understand, but shows up at random times. And whenever he does, you have such a good time, but then he kind of disappears and doesn't call you and then you look on facebook two weeks later and he's in greece <laughs> but he's like lost in greece yeah he didn't he like post anything. he posts something about like how he's like i'm in the middle of athens and i seem to be lost can anybody send me like yeah a google pin do like, you know anyone in athens <laughs> he i mean the the onion knight is consistently like he is our constant, I believe, between the two of us. He is the you first encounter Desmond. Yeah, you, <laughs> you first encounter him outside Sen's fortress in Dark Souls One. Yes, I do not remember him being in Dark Souls Two, although he might be in there. I did not play enough Dark Souls Two to confirm or deny the presence of the Onion Knight. Based on my like un- my general understanding of that game, I would assume that he is not in Dark Souls Two. Okay. Um, readers listeners write in let us know if we're wrong but like that game still sucks sorry uh that's like there's no way around it hitboxes are broken (laughs) it's a bad video game uh but in any case i run into the onion knight while going down the elevator i presume that you also did um i eventually there's there's a bonfire shortly after that and i turned around and i was like all right i'm gonna go back and see what that atrium's about um, so I went back and I saw what that atrium was about and that's when I encountered the ancient tree. Did but you I wanna, fight the tree? I did fight the tree. Did you defeat the tree? I did defeat the tree. <laughs> I did defeat the tree. <laughs> that's very cool because I had a similar experience to you. I encountered the tree. I did not defeat the tree. I went in there once uh, and I am just not dealing a lot of damage to that tree. And I, I Are you attacking the sacks? Yes, I'm only hitting the sacks. The tree has, if we haven't addressed this already, I can't remember, it has uh, these weird pustules yes. on it. And if you attack the sacks, the sacks occasionally explode and by exploding a sack, you, um, which is a phrase that makes me deeply uncomfortable <laughs> to say, uh, it reminds me of all these like horror stories that I heard about what like high school gym class was going to be like. Uh, I have no idea what you're getting at there, but I actually it's probably for the best. We're going to start another podcast <laughs> called Exploding the Sacks. How does know? It's just what Matt thinks gym class this is. is... <laughs> um, if you attack the sacks and you explode the sacks, it takes off like larger chunks. Oh. So like the goal is really to constantly be attacking sacks. And so eventually you find, like, he has, like, sacks on it. Did you drop down to the bottom level? No. Okay. Explode one sack. Okay. 
and the game changes and like dudes because like when you first start attacking the tree there's so many guys there's all these tree lovers that come out of the cracks and the tree lovers are like attacking you and so you're having to deal with the giant tree but also these these lower level guys who gang up on you and rule number one of dark souls is never attack more than one thing at once never deal with more, more than one enemy at once um so yeah, you go in there, you zero in on the the sacks that are at his crotch. Yep. Like honestly, I'm saying this with zero irony. You attack the sack, the sacks that are on his crotch, explode those. Those are relatively easy to get, and then the floor falls away. Okay, that and makes it's just a lot you, of sense. It's just you in the old tree. Because I was just not doing damage to him, and and I only did it once. You know what I mean? Yeah. Turned around. Uh, it's 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 not easy. I you fought the secondary ice guy. To mm-hmm. get to that other bonfire. Mm-hmm. So, then did you go back up and and fight with Onion Man? No, why would I fight with the Onion So, Man? the Onion Knight. So, this is what Matt didn't do. While he was fighting the Tree Demon, I was rocking shit with the Onion Knight. With him? I thought you were saying so you if you, So, the elevator, more. the way yeah. it works, is it's actually two elevators. One above the other. And you can see this when you first approach it. It goes up, which is, they tell you. So, I if, was not attentive. If you walk into this room where the elevator is, trigger it, and then step away, the elevator that is there when you show up goes down, and there's another one on top of it. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. So then you get... Oh, Dark Souls, you did it again. (laughs) It's so true. So then you get on that elevator. You can ride it all the way to the top of the tower. The giant who previously threw spears at you from a great distance is atop the tower. You befriend him. He says he will help you anytime you need help. But on the way up, halfway up, you hear the Onion Knight mumbling. There is no way to get off of the elevator at that point. What you realize is that halfway on the ride of the elevator, you just need to jump off. You jump off the elevator. There's a platform. You turn to your right. The Onion Knight is there. He is overlooking this town that is on fire, and there's this huge wooden f- demon in the center of it this is a town that we haven't seen yes yet. this huge wooden demon is on fire in the center of it you the onion knight says don't go down there if you're me you say i'm gonna go down there it's also kind of the only option you have yeah you run down you approach this thing and it was one of those situations where i got closer to this fire demon and realized I should not be near this fire demon, and he was huge. Uh, I hit him, I do very little damage, and then I hear the Onion Knight call, and he says, like, if, it's the, if this is how it has to be, I warned you against this, but I will fight by your side. Onion Knight jumps in, and together, we just kick the shit out of this demon. The Onion Knight lived through it, though. Yes! We wreck this demon. At the end of it, he sits down and he gives you a beer and you toast each other. Holy shit. God, I wish you hadn't told me about this. <laughs> this is the danger of How's Your Souls is that, like, my God, that would have been the best part of the game. It was so good, dude. Because I was coming into this thinking, like, this game is all right, but I'm feeling kind of down on it. I fought the tree and it was like, all right, I killed this old tree. Oh, see, um, I fought I that busted tree. its balls and... That was terrific. I had a great time with him. Uh, and then I got into the next area. There's really cool harpy demons in there. Yeah, I fought those. Uh, you're, just, you're just ignoring the tree at this point. I am. I'm going to go back now that you've told me that. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you can, or it seems as though you can just totally ignore that tree. There are a lot of bosses that you can just ignore in those games. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. That's like true. Moonlight Butterfly was like that in the first mm-hmm. one. Um, so I'll return to the tree and I'll kill it, but I guess we should just get to like overall feelings. I think this game is tremendous. I think it's really good. Uh, if I had had your experience, I would completely agree with you. So what, um, what are you not liking about it? I, so first of all, uh, you're playing on the Xbox One. I'm I playing am. on the PlayStation 4. I continue to run into somewhat significant frame rate issues. I'm having those as well, but honestly, it's a Dark Souls game, and I... If it ran smoothly, I don't think I would know that it was a Dark Souls game. I, I know what you're saying. In some and perverse I, way. I feel like this is strange because usually you are much harsher on oh, the I, frame rate than I am. I wish it was better. But having played Neo and coming to this, I am just like... I, I, it feels It feels so incomplete. And it feels... I don't know. It's just like bugging me. Um, that's, so that's one thing. It's also like I have not had an experience like your Onion Knight experience, and it's possible that I am just like not attentive enough to the game hmm. to to have had that experience yet. Um, and I feel as though I am missing something, maybe, and maybe that is what I am missing. Like I literally, having been through that tower, I can't picture where this where this burning town could be. So it's like a very cool moment and i'm sorry if i'm spoiling it for no, you no no this is this is fair because you, this is what we agreed to when we started this podcast yeah. we, we agreed to several things we agreed to three very specific tenets of this podcast and this is one of them yeah we don't want to talk about the other two yet but no. we'll get there eventually you have to stick around and eventually the last joker's card will reveal itself it always does shangri-la uh anyway um, you come up where this Onion Knight is, and it's actually been obscured from you. Okay. But it is contiguous, and it loops back well, around. Well, that's, that's what's impressive about it, is that I imagine it is contiguous. It is. But the fact that they can obscure it from you is very impressive, because that is inherently Dark Souls, is to give you this, this almost like Bruegel-like like portrait or, or landscape, and then you know that there are always things hiding right behind the hill. It is. That you can't see past, Yeah. So, my biggest issue with the game, and it's just an issue I've always kind of had with Dark Souls, is that I still don't really understand how weapon upgrades function, oh, or yeah. what Dude. weapon is better. Um, I've Story moved on my life. from the Deep Axe. Oh, you, you were really into that I last, was, and last then I, got, I killed the second Ice Demon and got his Ice Sword. That's what I've been using. That thing is monstrous. That thing slays. Whew. Just... Uh, especially against some of those uh, harpy enemies. I haven't I haven't upgraded it um, at all. I look forward to doing so. It's it's pretty keen. Um, yeah, it's very good. I, I wonder if for us all of this repeated stuff is really fun because it's been a while. Like I didn't even play Dark Souls two really. Yeah. So for me, I've needed a new Dark Souls. Like it's great that this Dark Souls exists. I wonder if. I was playing this like when it came out and I had played Dark Souls 2 into the ground if I feel like there is too much Dark Souls in my life or if it's leaning too hard on nostalgia but as it stands I think it does a good job of avoiding the sins of Dark Souls 2 
and it builds nicely on a lot of the systems from the first game. Certainly. And we've touched on the fact that Dark Souls, something, anything of the quality or of the power of Dark Souls is always going to be like extraordinarily, um, I mean, the law of diminishing returns is going to apply without question. There is nothing, there's never going to be a feeling like playing the first Dark Souls because it's equivalent of playing your first game of Zelda. Agreed. For the Nintendo. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's wonderful, and I mean, you didn't even play Bloodborne. No. I I at the very least, I played Bloodborne in between, and actually, and that's that's kind of lended this element of like the the Bloodborne influences are very clear. They are, and in strange places. Yes, I find that they're especially clear in enemy groupings. The way that enemies will be grouped together, um, it's very narrative. Like there is a yes, there is a sense that the enemies are not just undead zombies and demons that inhabit this place but rather people who exist in this town or something like that 100 percent. when you yeah. when you wander on that group and there's the the magician lady and um all of those kind of undead guys yep. around her it is almost an exact mirror of that opening section of bloodborne where you encounter that uh that fire pit where there's all these guys surrounding it and kind of like looking into it and you can pick them off gradually or you can charge in and, you know, as you're picking them off, you run the risk of maybe like potentially like alerting all of them. And I, I, I feel like we need to wrap up this week's Dark Souls segment. I'm feeling uh, but stressed let's about do it. that. All on, right. Let's do that on what you're putting points into, and then we'll see how that pans out next week. I'm I'm exclusively stamina. I'm still I'm wow. playing uh, Lady Cressida, and she it's yeah I go I haven't put any into health. Wow. I'm full stam. <laughs> that is. I mean I I put some game. into I put some into dexterity and strength, but it's primarily stamina. Um, yeah, that's that's the character I'm playing. But I'm excited to hear where we end up next time. You, we, I was a little worried that like one of us was going to be more ahead of the other, but it sounds like we're in the exact same spot. It sounds yeah. like we're in a good place, Bob. I'm having a great time with it. Yeah. So, yeah. have you been playing anything else? <laughs> um, this week has been kind of funky. Uh, let's see. I came very close to buying that Steam game where you play a dad who moves to a new town with his teenage daughter and you date other dads. I also saw that and also wanted to get I it. really want to play that game. So do I. I can't... Can you explain why you do? As someone who hasn't played dating simulators since like, was, I was in college and like they had the like stupid, cheap, like vaguely pornographic ones on Newgrounds, like... I can't explain why I want to play this dating simulator where I am a dad who dates other dads. I think that that is a area, an area, of human experience that is never documented in video games, and honestly not documented in a lot of media. Yeah. And so I think that, from my perspective, I just, I think that's a cool experience to have, and I'm curious about it. That's that's one hundred percent true. Also, it's a bunch, it's like, and you know, I'm appreciator of the human form. It's a bunch of hot dudes hanging out, talking about their kids. <laughs> I, that and like, there's lots of dad jokes. I think that there's there's something like even deeper than that because I agree that like obviously we have never had to my to my knowledge a game about gay dads before. Um, 
there's something so loving about the design. I really it like looks, the art. It looks, yeah, the art, like, it just looks so, like, like, granted, cheesy, and, like, to a degree, it's, like, the right amount of, like, romance novel cover. Pure cheesecake, in but the best like, way. But, like, yeah, but careful, and, like, like someone actually, like, bothered to put this together. The, actually, what is this game called? We should say the title of this game. I, dude, I wish I could remember. It's we something very it similar. Yeah, I, we'll put I'm it in sorry. the show notes. Because uh, I, yeah, I looked at it, and I watched the trailer three times. Um... So, but we'll put that in the show notes. I mean, I encourage any, it's 15 bucks. Yeah. Um, I, the reason I didn't buy it was because I don't think my air can run it. Uh, but I'm probably going to buy it and just see if I can run it. And if Worst I can, case, we can I'll return it. Or we just play it on your giant and we just play that together and we'll see if anybody asks just, any questions. We're just two dudes playing this on a 27-inch <laughs> iMac together. Making decisions about dating dads. I think that that honestly could end our friendship if we played that game together. In what way? I just feel like there would be decisions in that game about who to date that would tear us apart. See, I think that we would actually probably... I think we'd find a happy medium. I'm I'm really... Honestly, now I'm just really curious, so we probably should do it. (laughs) You know what? Not the next podcast, but in the next couple podcasts, we're going to do it. We're gonna do it. Um, we'll we'll take notes. Yep. We'll come back to you. We might not be talking. It's our new segment, dudes dating dads. Dudes dating dads. Um, other games I play, like honestly, I weirdly uh, last time. So on the last podcast, I mentioned the fact that like I was really hoping that like someone would someday release like a, a procedurally generated roguelike Zelda like Master Trials. For whatever reason, I re-downloaded Spelunky, and I just started playing Spelunky again. Um, you talked about that a little bit last time. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I like Spelunky a lot. Spelunky is a fantastic game. I think I have fun when I'm playing it. That's exactly how I always feel with Spelunky. There's something about the progression where I understand roguelikes. I like this sense of restarting, but I just feel like I need a little bit more of a hook between playthroughs than Spelunky provides me. But what do you mean, like... Because I, I always feel ready to go back to it, I, and that's part of the problem. I think the issue is that I don't know what I want it to do differently, but it doesn't fully click with me. My issue, with as with any roguelike, except for Rogue Legacy, which I think is an excellent game that really solves this problem, um, is that there's no... The sense of progression is there's, like, giant leaps yes. between your progression. Agreed. So I've gotten to this point where I can get through um, the second level, no problem, the jungle. But in order to get the fast travel to the third level, which is the ice level, mm-hmm. I um, I need to give the dude a shotgun over the course of the second level, which mm-hmm. means I need to attain a shotgun over the course of the second level. And it's taking fucking forever. And it's it's like sort of ceased being fun, but no less... No less addictive. And I think that that is... This is the way to some Spelunky. It can cease being fun, but it never stops being addictive. Yeah. And, like, kudos to them. Apparently that was made in Game Maker in the original version, before they did the remaster. Whoever designed that... I can't remember the name. Moss... It's Moss something. It's, I, think I should have looked that up. Um, but, obviously, kudos to them. They've designed an astounding game. It's great. A I, I, um, I, I, it is not for me, but I would never say ill of it. I can't even tell if it's for me. I've played a lot of it for something I don't think is for me. Precisely. Yes, exactly. 
So, so what have you been playing other than, uh, than your Souls? I've played Dark Souls, and then I've played about an hour of Splatoon 2. Oh, shit. The sequel to Splatoon. This is on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I was a big fan of Splatoon on the Wii U, and this is better Splatoon. In basically every way, uh, I've played it for an hour. In that time, I've only played it online. Splatoon is a shooter. Uh, in the vein of Call of Duty and other games where you are put into a map and need to kill people who are real people playing across the world online. Um, Kill doesn't seem like the right verb here. Yeah, because the way that this game works is that you shoot, you're a squid, and you shoot ink out of a gun. um, And in doing so, you can eliminate other players, but they always come back. They're inked. They're inked. You ink other players. You ink other players. And... You, it's fun because uh, the actual point of the game is simply to cover more of each level in your paint before time expires. So there are two different teams. You have different colors of ink, and your goal is just to paint more of the level rather than kill everybody. Though certainly, shooting enemies causes them to explode in a burst of your color, so it's always beneficial to kill the opposing team. To ink the opposing to team. To ink the opposing your, team. Your violence way, disturbs me. Well, we always say the Pokemon faint, but I know what happens. <laughs> I know. All Let's right. not candy coat this. Yeah, they're not coming back. Um, um, I mean, I think I think that Splatoon is one of the few games that I would legitimately call ingenious. It is such a clever idea. Yes. That... Just like is just like Nintendo iterating on something that we love in another arena that Nintendo's never touched, and they were just like, "But how about if we made this much cooler?" Well, what's delightful about Splatoon from the perspective of its design for me is that Nintendo built all the technology for Splatoon in Super Mario Sunshine. I did not know that. Which, well, no, I'm just from the outsider's perspective, they had a game that was a Mario game where you had a water gun and you cleaned up graffiti by shooting the water gun to wipe the graffiti off of the walls. And it looks exactly like the water spray in Splatoon. Hmm. And so clearly they, the person had this idea to make this game that's about, it plays like a Call of Duty or these other online shooters, but it has this Nintendo twist where it's kind of nonviolent, and weirdly they had the tech to do it, just kind yeah. of sitting there. And also, it's so like Nintendo to iterate on other other brand, brands within Nintendo to yeah. take ideas and say like, hey, this might not fit Mario, but what if we design an entire game around this? Yeah, and, and just delightful. They feel as though it feels like it's a lab where they are just legitimately testing things and perfecting them. Speaking of addictive, the beauty of Splatoon is that the matches are three minutes long. I was late to showing up here because. Once you start playing, it's really problematic because every match is just three minutes. So if you have to be somewhere, you go, all right, I need to live in 15. Well, that's like five Splatoon matches. (laughs) And then you finish the fifth one and you're like, but it's only three minutes. I can be three minutes late. I can be three minutes. That's that's a totally reasonable amount of time. Splatoon, like back, back of the box quote. I can be three minutes late. That's kind of the game. Yeah. And it's very good. Uh, It plays just like old Splatoon, except better. It looks fantastic. The music is tremendous. Uh, My only issue with it 
is that the old Splatoon had this fun, like, jumping arcade game you could play while you waited for a match. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That This one, it lets you manipulate the background music with the joystick, which is very Splatoon, because the music's all, like, uh, a girl talk song created in an aquarium by a person who is schizophrenic, (laughs) Uh, which is great, but I kind of miss the old arcade game. It's also, like, a very Bob review of yeah. music but yeah no I, I miss I'm gonna miss that arcade game too I actually really fun. I, it's interesting that you were late to show you were late showing up because you were playing that game and I, while I waited for you to show up I booted up my copy of Splatoon 2 and I only got through the cold open but like man Nintendo is on a roll with, with Breath of the Wild and Splatoon like with their whole like Nintendo Presents and there's like clean, crisp text saying like, "Oh, this is what you're playing. <laughs> this is a Nintendo ass Nintendo yeah. game. No and splash page. No. Just like, hey, this is the name of the game. Here's some dope music or no music while you find out what it is you are playing. It's just so fucking elegant. Yes. It's like it's like the Criterion Collection, but with the accessibility of Nintendo. Nintendo. I was saying this throughout the entire time that the Wii U existed, but nobody had a Wii U. (laughs) But Nintendo is on a roll, and they're on a roll of the best kind, which is to say that they are confident. And everything they have just, like, feels like the work of people who both don't give a shit and know that they give all the shits, so they don't need to care if you like it, because you will, because it's so good. Like, it just feels like they know it's good. And hopefully the Switch engenders this, because I think... They're killing it right now. Yeah. So, Splatoon 2, I'm sure we'll talk more about it in the future. It's very good if you have a Switch. I can't think of anything else you'd play other than Zelda and Mario Kart and ARMS. I can't wait to get ARMS. I keep meaning to. Yeah, we gotta get on that. Nintendo is... But first we have to play Dad's Dating Dads. Crushing it. Yes. Soon... Dudes dating dads. Uh, we'll get to that as well. Anyway, we're we're hitting, we're about coming up on the hour, so let's let's get into our um, our traditional things other things, like non-video week. game things that we like this week. So Matt, why don't you lead us off here? <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I'm glad I thought about this so extensively beforehand. Um, <laughs> That's the key, really. Extensive planning. I have engaged with other media this week, I promise you. For the listener, Matt is just looking around the room to find something that he's interested in, and I know that we said this room was totally barren earlier, (laughs) so it's going to be a rough search. (laughs) Um, I'm just like picturing like the room at the end of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Or (laughs) the room at the end of Mission to Mars. (laughs) Except An excellent film. See, see podcast number two? Three? Three? Two. Two. Three. Mission to episode so, three. Three. <laughs> Maybe. We've only been doing this for a little while. Anyway, um, so I... Okay, I know what I'm going to talk so I went to see a, uh, a movie in theaters this week. I went alone. I like going to the movies alone a lot. Especially if I can manage to go in the middle of the day because of whatever work allocations I have. Um, 
I went to see a movie that I was not sure I really wanted to see. I went to see a movie called A Ghost Story. Uh, it stars Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, um, directed by the guy who did Ain't Them Body Saints and Peach Dragon, um, both both of which are critically acclaimed movies. Um, I was not sure I wanted to see this movie because Casey Affleck is in it. Yeah. Casey Affleck is... I, I'm just going to say is currently and still is and remains one of my favorite actors. It is very difficult to watch him on screen and to divorce like a lot of the controversy around the what seem like pretty accurate accusations against him for uh, sexual assault. And it, it, it seems like he is a bad dude. It seems like he is he is a bad dude who is if he is not a bad dude has made some egregious mistakes and has not owned up to them. And that is the equivalent of a bad dude. He is a bad dude. Yeah. If he is innocent of these mistakes, like which we are not here to discuss, then like he certainly has not addressed them well. And he is welcome to call into our podcast. I and would, I would I would I, I can't say that if I were to talk to Casey Affleck, I wouldn't still say like your your performance in the assassination of Jesse James with a Howard Robert Ford is phenomenal, but that I mean, does, I think I mean, this Michael is a, Jackson wrote some great songs. This is this, and this is the conflict. Speaking topically, R. Kelly wrote some great songs. Yeah, those allegations. Yeah. We should talk about that sometime. But this isn't the beginning of the show. No, when this I is get true. Deep. In any case, a ghost story um, is a movie starring Casey Affleck, Rooney Mara. I love Casey Affleck. I think Rooney Mara is fantastic. Um, it is absolutely beautifully shot. It's shot in sort of a um, a very interesting uh, aspect ratio that sort of mimics a Polaroid film. Really? Uh, yes, it's very fascinating. It's beautifully shot. It has some of the most I had no the idea. most beautiful sort of like change of season weather effects that I've ever seen in like a long shot. It's particularly famous for having a seven to five to seven minute shot of Rooney Mara just like eating pie. Um, she eats a whole pie over the course of the shot. I mean, there's nothing um, exciting about that. I do several that people regularly. walked, two people walked out of my, my screening really? of the film and there were a total of eight people in my screening of the film. Wow. And two people walked out. Uh, I think that if you can divorce the fact that Casey Affleck is in this film, and honestly, I had trouble with that, even though the, he's under a sheet most of the time because he is playing a ghost under a sheet. This is literally a ghost story insofar as that there is a dead person under a sheet who exists in a cosmic space. Um, it's like, that's difficult. Like, honestly, like, I thought it was, this movie is so in my wheelhouse. I thought it was, I thought in so many ways it was, it was just like fantastic. I loved it. You have trouble with it. It's just, no, no, it's not even that I have trouble with it. It's just like, it's just Casey Affleck. Yeah, you have and, trouble with him. And I have worked, I have, there's a lot of work. I read a lot of writers who I think are bad people, who I think are, are like assholes who I respect for their craft. And it's hard not to. It sounds like he's most beyond ass- asshole though. I, I, I guarantee you that we both have read and respected writing by people who are rapists. Like, just based on if the you, absolute chances and the historical record of, like... If you are a consumer of media... Yes. You have enjoyed the work of people who are rapists. Yes. And it's, and it's, it's like, a shocking and unsettling thing to think about. 
Or maybe I mean, not that shocking. No, I don't know. I mean, it's it, I mean, it's not necessarily shocking, but it is definitely unsettling. It's incredibly unsettling, and it's very much... This is obviously more in the public eye. I mean, I remember seeing Manchester by the Sea and thought it was one of the, the greatest performances I'd ever seen in the film. And then the, you know, the, the accusations and what is essentially like... And and you know, out of court admission, silence. yeah, an admission through silence. Like, regardless, so it's like I I am at this this place where I'm like, is is can you divorce the fact that Casey Affleck is a good actor? Probably not, because this is you know I, this requires a level of of emotional fidelity that's difficult. Um, nonetheless, if we put all that aside, I think the film is phenomenal. I loved it. It's very much, again, in my wheelhouse. I'm fascinated by all of the things that it touches on. The one thing that I would like to say is that even if you don't go see the movie, listen to the soundtrack by Daniel Hart. Um, the soundtrack relies heavily on a track by uh, Dark Rooms, which is a, a band that he's involved with uh, called I Get Overwhelmed. And this plays very heavily. It's a very large part of the movie. This one track is it, is big in the movie. It's actually like a... Motif, kind a of. motif, yeah, um, but not just like it's like literally within the storyline of the movie, and it's a it's a fantastic track, and he does really interesting things with the music in that track, and he does th- interesting things outside of it. the uh, The score slash soundtrack is phenomenal, and it elevates the film in a legitimately, literally in some ways, cosmic sense. Uh, so I would I would say I don't know depends on how you feel about Casey Affleck but like worth checking out maybe maybe wait until it's streaming if you don't want to support him I really I want to see that. that movie but I am similarly torn um, my thing is a television show uh, and it is on Netflix and it is called Terrace House Boys and Girls in the City and this is uh, basically Japanese real world and it's great if you have Netflix, you can watch this. Um, I have Netflix. You should watch it. It's, it's on. Is it? Is it like episode? Is it so like you, a you full to, stream? Like so, I can watch like. So a here, actually, what you series? do, you add it to your queue. Netflix yeah. sends you a DVD. You're kidding. It's not streaming. No, I am kidding. Okay, you son of a bitch. I was like, do they do that still? I actually really want to know if they do that. Still. They do do it still because you can do it for Blu-rays and shit. I actually probably should do that for some. We Blu-rays. should do it. Yeah, because you actually you have a, a an Xbox One that plays. It plays uh, all the Blu-rays. HD. You know, you play 4K. You can play. I 4K. can play 4K. I play HDR. You just need a TV that's capable I have of a handling. Thirty and my TV is barely larger than my computer. It's a 720, 30 inch. It is uh, 1080, but whatever. Whatever. None of this matters. Uh, Terrace House. It's the real world. It's in Japan, and it's terrific. I really don't have a lot more to say about it, other than the fact that I am not really into reality television. Um, I feel like I kind of, I don't really watch cable, so I just don't see it very often. Um, I did live in Japan for a few months, and I really, you know, I have an appreciation for Japanese culture, and I enjoy it. So I guess you I love. The Japanese peanuts. I also love the Japanese peanuts or Japanese. I think they're. I love which they come straight from Mexico. I yeah, they're they're Mexican. I I really don't understand it, but they are so good. Uh, we'll get to the bottom of that in our next yeah hard, episode of Hard episode Coffee. four chip tip. 
Uh, they're very good. Snack. It's a snack podcast. Anyway, uh, I would really recommend watching this show only because it is a kind of soothing thing to watch because it's just a bunch of people who are in their mid-twenties having trouble dealing with stuff in the city. They're in the biggest city in the world. They're in Tokyo? Yes, they are in Tokyo. And is that actually... It's the biggest city in the world? Population-wise? Yeah. Hmm. I it's, did not know that. Uh, I believe that is the case. Uh, and I believe by, like, an order of magnitude, actually. Okay. But it they it is totally the real world. The theme song is wonderfully Japanese rock and roll, uh, but also maybe the best, like, this is a real-world-style theme song I've ever heard. It is stuck in my head right now. It's great. And I want other people to watch it so we can all discuss how obviously all the girls should want to date Mako-chan. Why wouldn't you? So please watch this. Please email us about how Mako-chan is obviously the best choice. Uh, You can do so at podcast at zerostars.co. That is a C-O, not a C-O-M. Because zerostars.com was taken anyways we look forward to being able to buy that when we make all that sweet podcast money so so write us there casper contact us blue apron (laughs) are you blue apron like blue collar i haven't been able to i've actually considered that we start doing ad reads for these companies and say like at code zero stars yeah and then we write the companies and go did you get anybody from our (laughs) podcast if you did start paying us uh but that's an idea for later, and if you want to just, you know, buy a mattress, why not put it in Casper? I actually sleep on one every day. It's fantastic. And uh, yeah, you get $50 off with code THUMBS, code REPLY, code... Um, no, no, the co- they need to know it's from us. The code, oh, I'm just giving other podcasts. No, no, you don't want to do that. The code okay. is zero stars. That is zero, zero stars, no space. And we look forward to hearing from you in our inbox. Yeah, honestly, email us at, at podcast at zerostars.co, that's .co, because we have not gotten any mail since our inaugural podcast when John Barron emailed us. And that was even, that was from the 90s. I mean, that was... And that, that was an old email. Yeah, um, that was in a hotmail form. We are We are kind of out of practice. We haven't been getting emails since the 90s. So, yeah, we'd love to answer some questions. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys.